This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we appreciate those who may be watching for the first time. Thank you for tuning in. Today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing the theme, Christ First with My Love. Christ First with My Love. We need in life to put first things first. Jesus First with My Love. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that theme. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize the course is free. We want you to have it. And in order that you might know more about the course, what's involved in the course, and in order that you might know how you can receive it free of charge, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In John chapter 21... Beginning in verse 15, we have this reading. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? He said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke concerning what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The the biggest little word in the Bible is the word love. It's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. And all through the Bible, over and over again, we find God expressing his love toward mankind. And the ultimate expression of his love was in the giving of his son for the salvation of the human race. 
Romans the fifth chapter and verse eight says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, indeed, God's love climaxed at the cross. We need to understand that Jesus loves us. He loved us so much that he died upon that cross voluntarily. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ laid down his life that you and I might live. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus not only died for his friends, he even died for those that were antagonistic toward him. He died for even for those who crucified him. He died for those that were his enemies. The real challenge that we have in life is for us to learn to love like Jesus loved. You remember when Jesus was hanging up on the cross of Calvary? That he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've often wondered, had I been, the, been in the place of Jesus, would I have prayed like that? Uh, some of us might have called upon God to send down thunderbolts from heaven to destroy that, rest of, uh, that nest of rebels. But Jesus Christ prayed for those that were crucifying him. You see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 45, 44 and 45, Jesus taught that we are to pray for our enemies. And Jesus in his death practiced what he taught. Jesus loved even those who crucified him. And we need to learn like Jesus loved. And so the true person who is a child of God, a true Christian, learns to love like Jesus loved and has a love for Jesus. You see, a person that's a Christian is not just a person that's been baptized for the remission of their sins. But the totality of their life is the heart and life uh, of, of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 16, 22, the Bible says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. You see, a true Christian, a real Christian, loves Jesus preeminently. Loves Jesus preeminently. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. We are to love Jesus in sincerity. And love is the mainspring of the living of the Christian life. In James chapter 1, verse 12, there the Bible reads, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to them that love him. You see, there's a crown of life promised to those that love the Lord.
The Lord should be first with my love. And how can I know that He's first in my love? Or what circumstances prevail when Jesus Christ is first in my love? May I submit to you that when Christ is first in my love, that my chief desire in life is to, out of love, obey Him. I will want to do what He requests. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, we have a tendency to want to please those that I love. My parents are now deceased. But I can remember when I was a young lad of a boy that that my desire was to please my mother and to please my dad. And the reason I wanted to please them was not because they would punish me because I did not, because in fact sometimes they would if I did not do what they asked me to do. But the reason I wanted to please them and do what my parents asked me to do was first of all out of love for them and secondly out of respect for them. And you see, we want to please the Lord and if we want to please the Lord and be acceptable to Him, we must obey Him. Listen to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. A man who says that he loves the Lord, but he doesn't do what the Lord asks of him, that's a man that's not truly telling the truth. But when an individual keeps the word of the Lord, respects the authority of Jesus Christ, submits to the authority of Jesus Christ, obeys the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the man who truly loves the Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, someone says, don't you know, Brother Lambert, that people call on the name of the Lord, they'll go to heaven. Jesus said, not everyone that does that will. Let me continue to read. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, to go to heaven, you have to do the will of the Lord. Sometimes people read a command in the Bible and... They'll say, well, you know, that's a non-essential command of the Lord. They'll read another command and they'll say, well, now that's a command of the Lord, but it's, a, it's an essential command of the Lord. I, I've never been able to understand how people come up with that. How, how they distinguish between what is an essential command and a non-essential command. For example, people will read a command like the command to, to, uh, to be baptized. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And some people say that's a non-essential command. It's not necessary for you to do that in order to go to heaven. And, and then, then they'll read some other passage and say, well, that's an essential command. For example, if we read a command that says we must believe in Jesus or die in our sins like John 8, 24, they will say, no, that's an essential command. 
Well, how is it that we make distinctions between an essential and a non-essential command? The fact is, every command the Lord has given us in this age of the world is an essential command. And the, uh, obeying those essential commands of the Lord is the way that we prove our love. You see, if I really love Jesus first, He is first with my love, I want to please Him. And I want to do what Jesus requests of me. Furthermore, if I really love the Lord first with my love, if He's first, I want to be in His presence. Don't you enjoy being with people that you love? I do. I enjoy being with my family. I enjoy being with God's family. I enjoy being around gospel preachers because I love them. I love what they're doing. And so when we truly love the Lord, we'll want to be in His presence. And we ought to look forward to the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, when God's people come together and assemble for the purpose of worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. Because we want to be there. It's not because we want to show off a new suit and tie that we may have or because we want to show off a new dress that you may have bought on sale. Or, or maybe you bought a new automobile and you want to drive up into the parking lot of the church building and show off your new car. No, that, that we, we want to be there on the Lord's day because we want to be with our Lord because we love Him. And I am convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that when we gather together on the Lord's day, our Lord is there with us. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I, I long for the Lord's day. I'm looking forward right now to the next Lord's day when I'll stand before God's people and I will preach out of this book that I hold in my hand. I look forward to the next Lord's Day when we'll gather around the Lord's table and remember the death and the suffering of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary in the partaking of the Lord's Supper. I look forward to the next Lord's Day when, when we, we will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and we'll make melody in our heart unto the Lord. I look forward to the next Lord's Day when we will engage in prayer, lift up our hearts in prayer, and offer up our prayers as incense to the throne of God. I look forward to the next Lord's Day when I'll have the opportunity and the privilege of giving back to God that which belongs to Him in the first place. You see, we long to be in His presence on the Lord's Day. But I long to be in His presence eternally, don't you? And one day we're going to be in His presence for all eternity. And we'll be like Him for we'll see Him as He is, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And He's going to change our vile body and, and, and it will be fashioned like unto His glorious body, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Oh, you see, I love Jesus. And when you love the Lord and He's first in your love, you want to be in His presence. And then when Jesus is first with your love, you will want to converse with Him. Now, don't you enjoy talking to people that you love? When I'm away from home, I'm going to call my wife sometimes more than once a day. When I'm away from home, I'm going to talk to my children. 
And the reason I do that is because I love them and I want to hear from them. I, I enjoy talking to my grandchildren on the telephone. And, and so I love these people. I want to talk to these people. And because I love the Lord, I want to pour out my heart and my soul with Him. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. And Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer believing, you're going to receive it. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not, James chapter 4 and verse 2. You see, God is going to bless us if we pray. And it is a privilege to be able to go to God and call Him our Father. Of course, you cannot call Him Father unless you become His child. And in order to become the child of God, you must believe on His Son, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. In order to call God Father, you have to be in His family, and you must be born into that family. John 3 and 5 teaches we're born of water and of the Spirit. There's a passage in the New Testament that is a commentary on John 3, 5. It helps explain it, how we get into God's family. First of all, I'll read Galatians 3, 26. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We are children of God by faith in Christ. And so that's how we are becoming the family of God. But verse 27 tells us how we become those children. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. And so when we believe in Him, and when we're baptized for the remission of our sins, then we become members of the family of God. We call God our Father. We, we can approach Him in the avenue of prayer and say, Our Father which art in heaven. When we really love Jesus as we should love Him, He's first with my love. I want to converse with Him and with the Father in heaven. You see, when we pray to God, we are not praying through the mother of Christ, but rather we pray to God through Christ to the very throne of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Furthermore, when we truly love the Lord, we'll want to bring Him gifts, don't you suppose? Do you remember the story of when Jesus was born? And it's recorded in, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke. In Matthew chapter 2, when the, when the wise men from the east came to find the babe that had been born, they brought him gifts. Some assume that because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, there must have been three wise men. We have no idea how many wise men came. Those were the gifts they gave him. And the text says that they worshiped Him. And it just seems to me that if we love the Lord today, truly love the Lord, we will want to bring Him gifts. Why does a young boy, maybe a boy that's been uh, seeing a young girl, maybe they're 16, 17, 18 years old, and so today is a very special day. It's her birthday. He wants to do something special for her on her birthday. So it goes down to the florist. And he buys her some beautiful flowers. And he goes over to her house and he has those flowers behind his back, you know, trying to hide them. And, and he's so proud of himself. And then she comes to the door. She's anxious to see him come to see her. And, 
and because they're going to go out on a date tonight. And then he presents her with those flowers. Let me ask you, why did he buy her those flowers? You say, well, it's just because she knew that he, he knew that she wanted some flowers. No, no, that's not the reason. He bought her some, brought her a gift because that young man has come to love that girl. And when we love the Lord, we will want to show an appreciation for what He's done for us by giving to Him, by giving sacrificially. And I'll tell you one thing I've learned about giving to God. The more you give to Him, the more He gives to you in return. Have you ever done something for a friend of yours, maybe a small gift, and a few days later, here they come, they give you something. You didn't expect anything in return. But that's the way giving is. Life is like an echo. Whatever we send out comes back to us again. In Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. And so the more we give, the more we get. God wants to bless us. But see, we ought to bring Him gifts. And in bringing Him gifts, we express our love to Him. Over in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, there are some statements that the Apostle Paul made to the... He had been talking about the people of Macedonia and the giving of these people. And, and they were a very poverty-stricken people, and yet, in spite of their poverty, they wanted to help those who were in need themselves. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, the, the secret of their giving what they gave to other, help other people was the fact that they had first given themselves to the Lord. That's found in verse number uh, 5. For, for this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves unto the Lord. And, and they helped people that were in desperate need. The people of Macedonia had gone through three civil wars that left them very poverty-stricken. But, but Paul said that they begged for an opportunity to give to help other people. And listen to what Paul told the church at Corinth. I speak not com by commandment, but by I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others, by the diligence of the Macedonians. And then verse 28, Therefore show to them before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. You see, the way that we respond to the gifts that God gives to us is a way that we prove our love for Him. But then again, when Jesus Christ is first with my love, I'm going to love people made in the image of God. I'm going to love His disciples. In 1 John, the third chapter, in verse 14, the Bible says, here's how we know that we've passed from death to life if we love the brethren. Verse 15 says, the whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. We have to love each other. And what our world is in desperate need of is love for one another. There's so much hatred, so much violence, so much uh, enmity between races of people and classes of people today. We need to learn to love one another. And when we truly love the Lord, we're going to love our fellow Christians. 
And we're going to even love people in the world that are not Christians. And, and we're going to love all mankind because they're all made in the image of God Almighty. The Bible says that love is the bond of perfectness. Colossians 3.14 And love is the bond, is the cement that keeps a family together. Love is that adhesive that keeps the church together. And I'd suggest that love is that cohesive force that will keep a nation together and keep a nation from being a divided nation. Yes, we need to love. When we love the Lord, we're going to love other people. There's no way that I can love Jesus and at the same time harbor bitterness in my heart. There's no way that I can love Jesus and at the same time harbor ill feelings in my heart toward any man, woman, boy, or girl. We must have love for all people. And I've granted some people are easier to love than others. Some people, because of their nature, make it hard sometimes. But we must love them. Jesus loved all people. He even loved Judas to the end. John chapter 13, I believe, verse 1. And so we need to put Jesus first with our love. In the, in the text that I read, Jesus came to Peter and he said, Simon, do you, do you love me more than these? And, and I don't know whether he was talking about the other disciples, the fish they were eating, just what he was talking about when he said these. He said, Lord, you know I love you. He asked him again, he said, you love me? Peter, he said, yes, you know I love you. He asked him the third time, he said, do you, do you love me? He said, Lord, you, you, he was, Peter was grieved this time because he said that. He said, you know you love me. And then he said, I want you to feed my sheep. And I ask you, do you love him? Enough that you would become his child today by believing on him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him, and by being baptized. Because Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want to thank you for watching today. And before we close, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it's located, you call us. We'll, we'll locate it for you. And also right now, before, without any hesitation, please, please pick up the telephone and call the number that you see on the screen for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. From my very first day at Faulkner, it's been an incredible experience. There's so much to do around campus, and I know that I've made friends that will last a lifetime. I love using my iPad in my classes. I feel really prepared for the future. Plus, the use of e-text helps me cut costs on textbooks. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different from most other universities. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.